You're listening to For the Record, a Registrar podcast. I'm Melanie Gottlieb, Interim Executive Director of ACRO, and this is a deeper dive into ACRO. Hello, welcome to For the Record. I'm your host, Doug McKenna, and in this episode, we'll be chatting with Melanie Gottlieb, the Interim Executive Director of ACRO, about all the many and varied things that ACRO is and does and is involved in, with an aim of giving you a better perspective on the active and involved community you're a part of and have access to. So Melanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Doug. Glad to be here. Right off the top, I want to share a fun fact that I have about Melanie, and that is that Melanie is responsible for For the Record. It was her idea. And so she called me down to the Acro offices and was like, hey, I want to do a podcast, and we want you to do the podcast. And I was like, I don't know anything about doing a podcast. And she said, you'll learn. You'll figure it out. So, Melanie, what was the impetus behind creating for the record what were you trying to do here and have i done it (laughs) (laughs) you have absolutely done it what we were trying to do uh, when we started the podcast was to reach um, members and the higher education community at large in a different modality you know we're very very at the association level used to you know sending emails and doing print and publications But more and more people listen to their news and consume all kinds of media by podcast. And we thought there really aren't any podcasts directed at the records community. And so we thought, this is it. And you were the first person I thought of. Aw, thanks. What did you do before you came to ACRO? So before I came to work at ACRO, I was a member and I've been a member, and I, I, I include my time working here, even though I'm not technically a member now. Um, but I've been involved with ACRO since the very beginning of my professional career. So that's now about 24 years. I was institution-based. I started my career as a registrar at a small college in uh, southern Vermont, and then continued on and had experiences in I always like to say every one of the acro professions. I've been a registrar. I've been an international credential evaluator. I have been a director of admission operations. I've been a director of admissions and I've been a vice president for enrollment management. So any job in the acro arena, pretty much I've done it or done some piece of it. That's awesome. There's an interview with you out in college and university this quarter, which is one of the journals that ACRO has. And maybe that's a good avenue for us to talk about journals and publications without, you know, I want to direct people there to read your bio and hear what you have to say about all of the things. And for this conversation, I really want to talk more about ACRO itself. And so maybe you could start with the journals and then we can expand to some publications and uh, talk through the kinds of offerings that ACRO has. So. Absolutely. So we're very lucky at ACRO actually that our members really do read. 
Um, we, <laughs> <laughs> not everybody has members who read. And publications and journals are not necessarily thriving in the association world outside of sort of deep academia. But ACRO members actually actively read, write, and publish. And we are very lucky to have two journals, College and University and SEM Quarterly. And those journals provide a deeper dive into a number of the topics, any number of topics, that ACRO members are interested in and engage in. And they provide research and thought pieces um, of a very practical nature that apply directly to the work that our members and our community does. Yeah, when I was starting out, I would read the campus viewpoint in college and university. And that was about as deep a dive into the registrar world as I was able to digest at that point with my limited, narrow view. I was a degree audit coordinator at that point. But it was a very accessible piece into this larger world. And then as I grew in my professional career, I picked up additional articles and, and read more. And then I, I have found that SEM Quarterly is more research-based and there are there's some more technical kinds of things that go on there, that get published there. Um, but if you are listening and didn't know about either of these journals, I would strongly recommend that you pick up College and University and then just start with the campus viewpoints and read through and see what other people are doing on their campuses and sort of they are focused in a sense that there's a topic, obviously. And then reach out to the authors if the article strikes a nerve with you. That's one of the other real benefits of this kind of community is that a bunch of times I've read an article and looked up who it is and then looked up their contact information through the member directory and sent them an email and said, hey, I read your thing and I have a question or, hey, would you be willing to chat with so-and-so in my office about this? Um, and so that's a really, I appreciate the journals for, for putting the pieces together in, in a lot of ways. Okay publications. Acro does a lot of books. And I have, uh, this was another one of my introductions. Linda O. Stanford at Michigan State University assigned a chapter of uh, the Registrar Guide. And I, I think she divvied it up. So I, I actually had two chapters. And so we had to read the chapter and then give a sort of synopsis as part of a team meeting. And so that was really my first introduction to <laughs> Acro Publications. How long has Acro been publishing books? How many publications do we have? How do I get them? Uh, so you asked some questions that I'm not sure I know 100% the answers to. Um, I don't <laughs> know how do. long we've been. Yeah, I don't know how long we've been publishing, but I will I can tell you a few things. One, they're very easy to get. We have an online bookstore. And so you can visit the online bookstore and you can peruse all of the publications by title. We keep publications on the shelf, so to speak, for as long as we deem them useful. So some of the publications are um, have been on for a while because they still contain 
pretty relevant information. And then, you know, we're releasing new books every year. We probably do two to four books a year, which is actually a lot in the higher ed association world. I don't know anyone else that publishes as much as we do. Um, And our members still buy those books. They are relatively reasonably priced. I would say they, we've moved away from the large textbook tomes in an effort to make the books more accessible um, and more reasonably priced. So like the registrar's guide, it's a pretty big book. Yes. And so we don't publish the really big books that often. um, And we've been shifting to smaller books that are more directed and can be a little bit cheaper to produce and therefore, you know, cheaper to to give to to folks. We, it's, It's interesting to me the process by which we choose topics and by uh, the way that these publications evolve. Um, Because it does, before when I was just a member and not uh, on the staff, it felt a little bit like a black box. I never knew what was going to come out. It just was a mystery to me. How does all of this work? So I would say anyone who has that same question, I'd suggest two things. One, Anytime we have an in-person meeting, we generally have a session about how to publish with Acro. And it'll have information about how to publish in the journals, also how to get started in a book. Generally, these books come about in one of two ways. Either we have an older publication that we feel like still has some value but really needs an update. And so we're always looking for authors, people who have really current knowledge, really current practice that they are willing to share. And then sometimes people just come to us with good ideas. So if you have a great idea, come to us. And um, Martha Hanabry is the person in charge of publications. And Martha has a really good sense about what our members will buy. Um, And so we have to balance the ability. We have to be able to pay for the book in order to publish it. So, you know, we have to balance sort of, we're not a vanity publication area, but we, it's not really a giant revenue stream. It's really much more about getting information into the hands of members so that it will be useful and it will guide their practice that was really cool that you told me about your um, your boss saying, here, read this chapter and do a presentation on it. That's actually a really great way to get your younger staff engaged with the research and the practical guidance in the field. So I, I love that. And kudos to that boss who told you you had to do that. Um, I think that's an excellent idea. In retrospect, I agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the time, I was like, a book report? you got to be kidding me. But yes, turned out well. You said a couple of things there that I want to follow up on and, and then broaden the conversation a little bit too. One is you mentioned before you were on staff, when you were just a member. And then second, you you mentioned Martha, uh, who is a staff member. How many ACRO staff members are there? 
how are they organized? What's the structure of the office? And then what do professional ACRO staff members do? So we have about 40 FTE. We do count it FTE because we've got, we, we actually have student interns who work part-time. They come from uh, GW. We do pay our interns, just in case you were wondering. Nice. We think people should be paid for their work. Absolutely. Um, so um, we have student interns often from GW, and that number kind of fluctuates as time goes. So um, the number of people is a moving target. So we have a number of divisions that I would say uh, some are, are separate and some really overlap. The way that ACRO is structured is we have um, at the, I'm going to start at the sort of top, although I'm going to tell you we have a pretty flat organization. We're not highly hierarchical. So there's the executive director and the executive team. The executive team has been specifically designed to contain the broad array of subject matter expertise that um, is in the ACRO professions. And so there's myself and I have, um, I, I would say the bulk of my experience is in international. That's what I bring to the executive team. Although I also have a lot of admissions and a little records, although my records experience is getting stale. It's been a while. <laughs> um, we, we have Tina Deneen. She, she works with meetings and corporate partnerships and her expertise is records. And we have Tom Green. Um, he does SAM and consulting and his expertise is admissions and SAM. He also, fun fact, has some international credential stuff as well. Um, he actually has a degree in comparative international education, which many people don't know. I did not know that. Right. It's really cool. So, so we, and this is intentionally designed because as we think about what our members need, you need to be able to understand the world in which our members live and operate in order to really connect with the services, with the guidance um, that, that our members are going to need and understand. And we spend a lot of time actually looking at what's happening on the listservs and, um, and, and listening to our members. Tom's on campuses all the time and his staff with consulting just so that we know what's happening and what are the things that our, um, our members are experiencing and what's on the top of their mind. And it's really helpful to have staff on site who are subject matter experts. That's not always the case in the other higher ed associations. Some of them have some of that, but association management is actually this whole different thing than working in the acro professions. And so the rest of the staff all have expertise in the various parts of association management. So we've got um, Martha who works with membership. That's her primary um, area. And she's got lots of training in how, how you manage the membership function of an organization. Um, and then she also has publications and um, fun fact, she also manages the building, um, which is another whole thing because you actually have to have somebody to do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, we have an IT department that is small that does both de- desktop services and kind of network services, and they knit together all of our various uh, technology platforms that we use, just like you use on your campuses. Um, we have a marketing and communications division, which manages the many emails we send, um, along with any of the other advertising that we might do. And really what they do, um, and this is newer for ACRO, is that that group is a newer group and it's evolved into the group that helps us tell our story. It helps us take all of the initiatives that we work on as an association, either small and member focused or higher education writ large, and helps us to knit those together and tell a coherent story that's digestible both by the members and also by the rest of the higher education community. Then we also have advocacy. That is another major section. We have research um, as well. And I know I'm forgetting someone, but those are, those are the big buckets um, of all of the work that, that we do. Yeah. And what kind of, you mentioned initiatives. And so just as a sampling, not a comprehensive listing, what are some of the initiatives that ACRO has cooking currently? So first I would say, if you ever want to know what we're doing, I would always tell people to go to the website and look for the section at the very top that says signature initiatives. And those tend to be big picture things that connect many of our smaller threads. And so we put things in the signature initiatives area in an attempt to just raise their profile a little bit. Think of them as themes that we're working on. And so um, we have one theme around global recognition. The Global Recognition Convention is this international convention that is helping to make credentials more mobile between countries and facilitating the recognition of those credentials. That's connected to lots of other things, including the Groningen Declaration Network, which is um, an organization that we are a part of. We are one of the founders. Um, The Groningen Declaration Network is a network that is working to create a global, equitable, digital learner record infrastructure. So I always, when I, when I talk about that, I always like say to people, imagine your student from India applies and can immediately send you their secure, digital, verified, complete, um, record electronically, you know, within minutes, which is just sort of miraculous. Yeah. Yeah. They (laughs) can't do that now. They can't do that now. (laughs) Um, And that connects to um, Speedy, which is the digital infrastructure network that um, has been around for 30 years that, uh, that leads into another initiative where ACRO is working on the credit mobility infrastructure, which encompasses digital records, it encompasses transfer practice and policy, um, and all of those pieces. We've got DEI initiatives, um, 
we're, we're looking at the field of records and enrollment management and looking at the makeup of that field. And we see that across the board, we have members who are retiring in the next five to seven years, a pretty big chunk of members who are retiring in that time. And we're looking at the pipeline and feel like we don't have enough qualified people to step up into those roles. And those, and we find that as they move up into those roles, that pipeline is not as diverse as we would like it to be. And so we've got a number of initiatives um, that are directly seeking uh, to deepen that bench of well-prepared, diverse professionals who are ready to step up into leadership roles on campuses across the acro professions. Right on. One of the ways that we are working on that is through the delivery of workshops and the on-demand learning modules. That is an evolving piece, much like the podcast is a response to the changing modalities that users uh, consume information. Our on-demand modules are something that we've been working on actually for a couple of years, but the pandemic, of course, accelerated it like everything else. Right. And so the goal of these on-demand modules are to take the large chunks of acro training and break it down into the component parts and offer sort of right in time learning to people that, that is priced either free or very accessibly and badged. So we're digitally badging these so that people can get some recognition for the pieces of learning that they're engaging in. We started this back in, gosh, 2015 when we built the competencies and proficiencies. We, we worked with our members to identify what are the core competencies for all of the acro professions and what are the professional proficiencies in each of the individual acro professions. And we've been building learning connected directly to those. And it's, it's interesting because it's a bit of a retrofit you know, we're taking things that we've been doing for a long time and fitting that work. They're not unaligned, but they're just not aligned perfectly. Right. Um, and we're trying to retrofit these so that the goal is, one, to cover all of the competencies and proficiencies in multiple levels because there's beginner, intermediate and advanced level. Um, and also to deliver the same learning outcomes regardless of the modality. And that's a goal that, you know, we try to do, you try to do in your institutions. And so we're also trying to do that same, um, that same thing. So you'll see over the course of time, everything that ACRO does from a, a learning and professional development standpoint is going to align with these competencies and proficiencies. So the books are beginning to align the workshops are beginning to, to align, the on-demand and the more tra traditional online cohort-based courses. So yeah, we're getting there, but it, it takes longer than one might think. And with the variety of things that have happened in the world over the last 
two years that some of that development has shifted into responding to other more urgent crises. Yes. But that's yes. the story of our institutions as well. And one thing I want to note for the eagle-eyed listener, that seems weird to say, but I have included in all of the show notes for every episode of For the Record, a link back to the associated competencies and proficiencies that are related to the topic that we discussed or listened to in whatever episode it was. So if you want to go back and review the show notes pages, you'll find links to associated competencies and proficiencies in an effort, again, to align some of these things and to make sure that we're reinforcing each other as we move through. And another thing I want to note is that there is a bunch of free training available on the ACRO site for members. And so there, and you don't need, you shouldn't need anybody's permission to go work through a module. So I'd encourage you to, to do that. Check it, check it, check it out. Melanie, a couple more questions for you. ACRO is the American Association of Collegiate Registrars and Admissions Officers. And then there are a bunch of regional and state associations. So what is the relationship between ACRO and WACRO and SACRO and MACRO and MISACROA and TACRO. And I think there's a bunch of CACROs and CAPACRO and all of the other fun, exciting and adventurous names of things, <laughs> organizations. So ACRO and the state and regional associations are, um, I'll say, good friends but separate organizations. Um, people don't always realize that. Um, sometimes people who are very involved or members at the state level don't realize that their state or regional level membership doesn't actually translate into the national level membership. They are separate 501, well, we're a 501c3, a nonprofit association. Many of the state and regionals are also 501c3 nonprofits, but I will say not all of them are. They're all nonprofit, but they, they don't all have that sort of federal status. Um, their structures tend to be very much mirrored to the national structure in terms of the, the leadership and board. Um, they're pretty closely aligned in terms of um, the mission and the focus. And we at the national level work really hard to do two things. One, to provide resources uh, where we can for the state and regional organizations. For example, one of the things that has always been a struggle for the, especially the smaller state and regionals is um, membership database. You know, having a website and a strong membership database has is often problematic and can be really expensive and, and too expensive for them to engage in. So ACRO actually hosts that for many of them. So that's one place where we're, we're joined. We also recognize that leadership at the state and regional and engagement at the state and regional level actually directly correlates to engagement 
and leadership at the national level. Like we see that as a really great leadership pathway. And so we do as much as we can to foster that. Um, we send our board of directors and sometimes staff out to state and regional meetings um, to provide sessions and to give ACRO updates. Government relations, often Bill, Bill and Michelle are, are doing government relations updates for folks. Board members, like one of the things you do when you come on the board is you have to tell sort of the, the coordinator who runs this, what are the topics that you could do a session on? Like what, what's your sort of special topic that you have, have expertise in? And we share those with state and regional leadership so that they can say, oh, yeah, I would love that. I, ne- I need something like that to enhance my conference. So we do that. And then we bring everyone together every June. It is all of our committee membership and, well, our committee leadership, I'll say, and um, the state and regional leadership. It's generally the president, the past president, or the president-elect, generally. But honestly, the state and regional um, org can send you know, whoever, they they get to choose who they send. So there's about 150 people who come together and talk about what are the big things ACRO's doing? Um, and what should we be doing? You know, we, we ask that group, you know, what are we missing? Or what are you seeing that you need more of? Um, what's happening on campuses that we might not be aware of? And so it's really a good give and take engagement. We try to provide them with some leadership training of some sort. Um, and we also use them to help make sure that we're staying really in touch with what's happening nationally. So it's a really, it's a, it's a great relationship. It's one of my favorite things. I, I love getting to go to some of the state and regional meetings and get to see the different character of all of these organizations and the special traditions that exist in some that aren't in others. And it's just really um, it's really fun. It, it gives you a window into a whole different um, way of being that is is really great. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a part of three or four of them now, and I can attest to the fact that there are different flavors with each organization. So it is a fun thing to participate in. And you said this is one of your favorite things. And that actually was going to be my next question. What is your favorite part about working at ACRO? So I'll, I'll say my favorite part is that ACRO is the place where I learned to be a professional. So I was very lucky that in my first professional role, my boss, Mary Jane Goodlow, was, she's since she's retired, I'm sure she's not listening to this podcast. Sorry, Doug. Um, but... <laughs> She brought me to my first ACRO conference. Um, she and, and she plugged me into that network. And ACRO is the place where I learned how to be a higher education professional. I learned how to do my job. I made lifelong friends. And I feel like the ACRO community is sort of family for me. And so it's really, really gratifying to now be able to look at the field and the needs of the field from sort of a a higher level and to give back to the community 
in, at, I hope as much um, or more than what the community gave to me across my whole career. I love that. I thought when I left the last campus I was on, when I left, I thought, this is going to be a great opportunity and I'm really excited. But I was worried that I was going to miss engagement with the students because that's that's the thing that many of us love on our campuses is that engagement with all of these young people who are excited to learn and you get to do a little mentoring and it's just really, really gratifying. But I have found, honestly, that that engagement with students that I thought I would miss has been replaced by my engagement with members. And I love every opportunity that I get to have talking to members on the phone, by email, on the listserv, in a webinar, at a meeting. And a podcast. I just love it. And a podcast. Yes. Yay. (laughs) I thought I was going to miss that student engagement, but it's just been replaced with this rich member engagement that I love. I love that. Melanie, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us. There's so much that ACRO does, and we've provided a number of references. You can always, always go to ACRO.org and poke around on the website and then reach out if you have questions either to an ACRO staff member. Uh, You can send me an email. You can send someone in your state and regional association an email. Um, There are a bunch of listservs that are around and available. So if you have questions about any part of ACRO or if you want to get more involved in ACRO, please do reach out. Don't be shy. Melanie, any closing thoughts for people? I would just say that as we move into a new normal, because <laughs> we're not going back to anything, as no. we move into a new normal, um, we are working really hard to find new ways to engage. And I would encourage anyone who is interested, has an idea, and is feeling shy about it, don't be. I want to invite everyone to engage with ACRO and to take part because it is the strength and the ideas and the knowledge of the entire community that actually makes us what we are. And I would love to see more of you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Doug. That's it for this episode. Thanks again to Melanie for taking the time to chat. I hope you have a better sense of the breadth and depth of ACRO activities. It's a lot more than just the annual meeting, and even so much more than we could possibly hope to squeeze into a 40-minute podcast episode. So please follow up with questions if you're interested. Thanks very much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not forward it on to a colleague? And if you have ideas for episodes or just want to send some feedback, you can email me at registrarpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Doug McKenna, and this is For the Record.